This episode of Cybercast is brought to you by Zscaler. Are you ready to take your organization's cybersecurity to the next level? Learn from the best and discover how you can secure, simply, and transform your organization at the Zscaler Public Sector Summit 2024. Join us on April 4th to gain valuable insights into secure modernization, network transformation, and the power of a true zero-trust architecture. Visit zscaler.com federal to save your seat today. Welcome to CyberCast, decoding today's cyber issues. I'm Alexander Bolova, production lead at GovCIO Media and Research, and today we're looking at the year ahead in cyber and what you need to know going into 2024. With me today are managing editor, Ross John Fortune, and staff writer researchers, Nikki Henderson and Jordan McDonald. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hi there, Alex. Hey, Alex. Glad to see you. Glad to see you, too. And happy new year, everybody. It is 2024. I guess I have to kick off this episode by asking, do we have any New Year's resolutions, whether personally or at GovCIO Media and Research? My New Year's resolution is to give you the best possible podcasts. That's my resolution here. As 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 Emmy, that's always a resolution, but certainly my first January here uh, at GovCIO Media and Research. Well, unfortunately, um, <laughs> My New Year's resolution is the same as 2023. I'm still uh, striving just to get more organized in 2024. And, you know, call me cliche, but my New Year's resolution for 2024 is losing a little bit of weight, working out a bit. We'll see how long that lasts. And my New Year's resolution is actually a bit of a preview. By the time this episode has published, the first of these will have come out already. But we are really excited to introduce a new short form video series here where we go through some of the IT terminology and buzzwords that you hear every day and provide very clear, concise and entertaining explanations. Our first one is on artificial intelligence versus machine learning. So if you've ever asked yourself, what is the difference between those two? I encourage you to check out our website or our YouTube channel to watch the video. So my New Year's resolution is to spearhead this project and uh, yeah, help our listeners get to know federal IT just a little bit better. Well, speaking of federal IT, 2023 was a year of incredible cyber advancements and transformations for the federal government. And there's even more to anticipate as we look ahead to 2024. So today, we're here to guide you through the trends and developments that we expect to see as we traverse through this new year. Everybody ready? Let's do it. I'm ready. Born ready. To start us off, Ross, we can't talk about 2024 without discussing last year's national cyber strategy. Care to break that down for us? The National Cyber Strategy was released in March, and it really marked a shift in the balance as to who holds responsibility for cybersecurity. As Anjana Rajan told us last year, she's from the Office of the National Cyber Director, at our Cyberscape event, so much of cybersecurity strategy in government before 
the Biden strategy was making it up as it goes along. This is unfortunately a part of tech policy basically since the beginning of the internet. And so the Biden administration is trying to look more long-term and make investments that aren't just Band-Aids and aren't just thinking about tomorrow, today, but rather thinking one year, two year, five years, 10 years in the future. It's hard to do, obviously, with technology, but cybersecurity, the house is on fire. You know, the threats are right there. They're very imminent. So where does that bring us in this year, in 2024, not in 2023? Agencies are implementing this strategy. It is a huge priority for everyone, and it's a big job. So I want to highlight a couple. The first is partnerships, particularly when it comes to borders and allies, because cyberspace doesn't have borders like oceans or walls or whatever. So one of the pillars of the national cyber strategy is to forge international partnerships to pursue shared goals. So as you see with the Ukraine-Russia war, the kinetic battlefield isn't the only one when it comes to warfare. So this means that national security complex needs to assist allies, forge cooperation, and, and really bring people together to learn to detect and deter threats across the globe, not just here in the U.S. Part of that pillar, too, is to reinforce global norms of responsible state behavior. And agencies and the United States government needs to lead the way there. I'll talk about AI a little bit later, but one of the things I attended an AI event earlier in the fall, I guess it was. And one of the things that a Defense Department official said was, this is a soft power thing, AI. If the U.S. can lead the way on AI norms, on AI strategies, that can make sure that we don't have the privacy problems that can sort of come up with it. And that's a big part of that reinforcing the global norms of responsible state behavior is being a leader in these spaces, cybersecurity being one of them, or being the main one rather, that can really set the stage. Now, the other idea, and I want to go back to what uh, Rajan said, is the planning, particularly modernization. You know, these priorities are in the strategy document and in the world. Long-term strategies, investing in a resilient future, those sort of things, it's way easier said than done. Agencies are lousy with legacy systems that need to be updated and taken off paper and digitized. And these systems are holding all kinds of data that needs to be secured because it's really attractive to cyber criminals. So defending critical infrastructure and the specific mention of zero trust architecture, you know, keeping people cut off at the start before they even get in is a major part of the strategy and is something that agencies are really, really, really going to have to implement in 24. I think first and foremost, we're saying that we need to rebalance who, who holds the, the majority of the responsibility? I think too often we are relying on the individual consumer and the small business and the independent developer and the local and state government to defend against you know, nation states. And that is an unfair burden we're putting on the wrong folks and that what we need to rebalance is the players who can bear that burden, both in the public and private sector, need to t pay their fit, do their fair share of, of cybersecurity. And I think that's something that when we did over 400 table reads with industry, many people agreed with. The second big shift we're calling for is how do we recognize, how do we use market incentives to in encourage us making investments in long-term security rather than short-term band-aids? 
Thank you, Ross. I want to pick up on the thread of zero trust and what to expect in that realm in 2024. Nikki, what do you have to share with us? Yes, um, several agencies are making zero trust a top priority for 2024. According to FDA Chief Information Security Officer Greg Taylor, Zero Trust is a primary focus for the agency as it moves from a network-centric environment to a more data-centric one. The FDA has outlined uh, six strategic goals in its IT strategy, and that strategy really keeps um, cybersecurity top of mind. And so one of the main objectives is strengthening its IT infrastructure, and they plan to do that by implementing Zero Trust modernizing all of their cybersecurity defenses and enhancing their secure data exchange. And uh, during our coverage of the AFSIA TechNet Indo-Pacific event last year in Hawaii, uh, the Department of the Air Force Zero Trust Functional Management Office Director Justin Stolpen talked with us about how they're deploying micro-segmentation and building flyaway kits to ensure innovative capabilities for the tactical edge to make sure everything is baked in from the start. And the service is also working on next generation gateways to make the service uh, more independent and agile. And it's also been a year since DOD released its five-year zero trust strategy, which required services as well as defense agencies to submit a zero trust implementation plan. So according to DOD's Zero Trust Portfolio Management Director, Randy Resnick, they have received more than 40 zero trust implementation plans. So they are currently reviewing these and these plans will help address the constantly evolving cybersecurity challenges that many of the agencies are facing, especially with AI and cloud-based technologies. So Rexnick said military service branches will also have until fiscal year 2027 to achieve their target level zero trust readiness. What are your most impactful security measures um, that you can implement, invest in, so that, that build towards a more mature cybersecurity plan for your organization. Um, so within that, there are just some quick steps. So one, highest priority security controls. What we were already talking about with those known exploited vulnerabilities. Number one, go look right into there. What controls do you need to implement to ensure none of those can be exploited in your systems? Then the second one, once you've taken care of um, really stop the bleed part, then you can prioritize further near-term investments uh, that you'll want to align with our um, cross-sector cybersecurity performance goal, goals, what we call our CPGs. We were also directed by um, Congress to come up with these goals to help uh, the private sector and small business to have easily digestible and understood steps to take to secure your, your systems and, and devices and organization. So then the third step is uh, that's near term. Then the last one is long term. You want to develop a unique plan, cybersecurity performance goals for cross-sector application. That's that's higher level. You have a unique mission with unique constraints and unique resources. So what is your unique cybersecurity plan? Thank you, Nikki. It was great talking with people like Randy Resnick at the AFSIA TechNet 
Indo-Pacific Conference last fall um, and really gives great insight into how Zero Trust is developing, especially as you mentioned with that five-year plan. I mean, I guess four years now, <laughs> time is ticking. So in order to implement Zero Trust architecture, obviously you need people. AI hasn't taken over those jobs quite yet. So what is the future of the cyber workforce in 2024? Jordan, what are some workforce goals to look ahead to? Yeah, Alex. Well, a major goal for 2024 is improving the size and scale of the cyber workforce in multiple agencies, not just for now, but also the future. Last year in July 2023, the Biden administration released its National Cyber Workforce Education Strategy through the Office of the National Cyber Director, who worked with like 200 different organizations on building the strategy. And the uh, crux of it is shifting the responsibility of cybersecurity from individuals to companies and private sector um, entities to sort of create like a minimum standard for cybersecurity. On top of that, the idea is to build I guess, a lifelong development of cyber skills in individuals within the federal government, but also just in normal life, whether it's retail or IT or any of the federal agencies and the people who work there. That starts with creating a diverse pipeline of people to come through from schools and universities who are well-versed in cybersecurity. And I'm not talking about being experts. I'm talking about just the idea that everybody needs to be competent and have a general basic understanding of cybersecurity especially when it comes to federal agencies. Now, when it comes to federal agencies, when we're talking about scale and growing the cyber workforce, uh, there's a massive gaps that need to be filled in multiple agencies. At the DOD, Principal Director for Resources and Analysis, Mark Gorak, said there are somewhere in the neighborhood of 30,000 open positions that need to be filled between civilian and military, and he was even counting private contractors. Some of the ways he was hoping to fill those gaps would be things like allowing more employees to telework, which is something the agency's always been doing, but wants to do, you know, more enforce, allowing people to move back and forth between the private sector without losing their security clearance. You know, um, when we're talking about retention rates, there's sometimes an expectation that somebody will stay in a job in the public sector for more than five years. And, and when it comes to tech and IT, that sort of isn't realistic. I think also... Greg said he wanted to emphasize the financial stability of the public sector compared to the private sector. I mean, they might not be making as much pay uh, working for TOD, but that financial stability uh, is something that he hopes the department can use to leverage to get more people to join. We're talking about also providing a growth path from, you know, laying out a growth path from basic skills to intermediate skills, advanced skills as you move forward in the department. And, um, you know, this is all part of that five now four-year implementation plan of testing you know all these different initiatives from pay compensation and the like um, finding out what works and moving on from the things that don't now at the va there's a lot of similarities there there you know um there's still a big cyber workforce gap and they're trying to fill it in their own way the va CISO and deputy assistant secretary of information security lynette Sherrill, um, acknowledged the massive cyber workforce gap and said that filling it would require a lot of innovation and outside the box thinking when it comes to finding people who are suitable. The VA is dealing with a lot of uh, big issues this year, including more applications for benefits from the PACT Act that was passed in 2021, and you know the modernization of the electronic health records as well. So 
Cheryl said that the VA will need to hire from a lot of non-traditional places while also making sure they're hiring skilled employees who will be able to sort out the difference between technical risk and compliance risk. And, you know, at agencies like HHS, they're also needing to find more <laughs> talent in the cyber workforce to deal with uh, issues like cyber attacks, which are a massive issue there, um, especially at hospitals. HHS, you know, has said that the cyber attacks have increased about 86% since 2021 or about 1,400 a week on average. So they've created cybersecurity guides to help guide public and private entities on how to keep their risk low. We're going to actually measure by the pillars for identification, recruitment, retention, and development. Those will be our met metrics. Right now, we have 41 uh, different initiatives within the implementation plan. And we've designed it to be, I'll say, innovative, only from the guidance of we've been at this about a decade trying to fix this problem, and it's only growing worse. So today, the department has about 30,000 shortages in the cyber workforce. That's military, that's civilians. Um, I like to get to the point where you can count contractors, too. That's part of the implementation plan. But I say we've been innovative. You know, if, if what we've been doing isn't working, we need to do something different. So we've been working with all the components to try to come up with new ideas, new initiatives, fully expecting that some of them won't work. So we're going to measure them over time. For example, if we have a recruitment initiative, uh, whether that's a pay compensation um, or we specialize in a work role and give them additional uh, incentives, but we don't see an increase in retention or recruitment, then that's not working. We have to try something else. So the idea of the implementation plan is we have a five-year horizon or five-year horizon until 2027, and our real focus is first year and last year. And then in between, we've left that kind of open so we can adjust and scale as we go across. So the, one of the key initiatives under Pillar 3, which is culture, to me is the first thing we have to change. We have to change the mindset of the components. We've given them the authorities and we've given them the money uh, through 24 to actually program to do retention incentives, to do um, recruitment incentives. But most of them don't utilize it. It's a cultural shift uh, in a mindset. And getting that all the way down to the lowest levels is one of our greatest challenges. Speaking of defending hospitals, that also calls to mind how important defending critical infrastructure is. You have these cyber attacks, and especially with hospitals, you have very real-world consequences of patients who depend on these medical facilities and records and stuff. And that same threat extends to stuff like pipelines and water treatment plants. I know we recently talked to the EPA about stuff related to that. So Nikki, tell me more about defending critical infrastructure in 2024. Well, Alex, the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, is really uh, working hard to defend the critical infrastructures of organizations. According to Kelly Teeley, Chief of Phishing Assessments at CISA, in the wake of increasing phishing attacks on the nation's educational systems, the agency has responded with a new K-12 report. And that report outlines what schools can do to better protect their systems from cyber intrusions and overall risk. The report also highlights three key areas, including investing in security controls, 
addressing resource constraints, and focusing on information sharing. So that new report has provided a lot of benefits for many organizations. And another good thing here is that CISA is also collaborating with the Department of Education to boost security and technologies that schools depend on. The National Security Agency is also actively examining potential security threats to 5G. Jorge Laurel, the project director for the Enduring Security Framework at NSA, said the Enduring Security Framework, which is a public-private partnership with NSA, has released a new product. And this new product is analyzing the benefits, security risks, deployment, and benefits of 5G network slicing. The new document also provides an executive overview of the risks involved with deploying network slicing, including potential management strategies. And finally, the Environmental Protection Agency is also leaning on multiple pillars from the National Cybersecurity Strategy by leveraging tools that will protect information and operational technology at water facilities. I recently spoke with EPA cybersecurity leaders Douglas Vick and David Travers, and they told me that efforts are underway to increase cyber awareness in the water sector and ensure systems remain resilient. EPA also has several initiatives in the works that are helping to mitigate risks and ensure water services operate without disruption. They're also utilizing new tools that are helping the agency boost overall cyber resiliency across its workforce. We offer the, the cybersecurity evaluation program, which will conduct a cybersecurity assessment uh, for individual water and wastewater systems. And then we'll generate a report that highlight any uh, gaps uh, in cybersecurity uh, and provide that to the, the water system um, for, for their consideration. So we also offer something called the Cybersecurity Technical Assistance Program to support states and water systems and contractors um, in implementing cybersecurity measures. Um, and under this effort, users can, like states or water systems, can submit questions or consult with a cybersecurity subject matter expert you know, regarding how to assess and improve uh, cybersecurity practices. Thank you, Nikki. To wrap up our conversation, Ross, you didn't think we would get through this without an AI question, did you? You can't talk about anything in our world without talking about AI. 2023 was the first year of AI, and 2024 looks to be AI year number two. The White House, even in the National Cybersecurity Strategy last year, acknowledged that AI can be used for diabolical purposes just as it can be used for good. Let's think about, for example, critical systems and networks like Nikki had mentioned. Earlier this year, I talked to Gregory Edwards and from FEMA. He's the CISO there. He was on Cybercast and he said that AI is going to be a huge part of his agency's plans going forward, particularly in protecting networks. It's the kind of thing that can do a much better and much quicker job of monitoring and putting up those defensive ramparts for agencies. Similarly, Jordan and I covered the GovAI Summit in the fall, and everybody seemed to be talking about AI and their cyber plan. 
there's this constant monitoring of networks, there's systems, just everything security related will be helped by having these continuous monitoring systems for cyber threats. Because AI ultimately is changing so much. And as I mentioned before, it is a way if agencies and the US government can set standards going forward, that can be a real strong use of soft power in the world. The National Science Foundation, for example, is doing a lot as far as its funding of research into responsible AI, even in the cybersecurity realm. Katie Antipas, who's the director of the Office of Advanced Cyber Infrastructure at NSF, uh, was at a breakfast last month that I covered talking about how AI research could help accelerating the U.S. being a leader in that world. She wanted to said she talked about advancing the R&D system and innovation in a manner that coincides with the values of the U.S., you know, civil rights, civil liberties, things like that. So NSF is in on this as well. It's really an all-government approach when it comes to the implementation of the October AI executive order, which itself coincides with last year's national uh, cyber strategy. So just think of all the ways that AI is going to be part of cybersecurity. That's not just 2023. That's going to be 2024, 25, and going forward. But you can't have a conversation today, right, uh, without talking about AI and, and, and all that's happening in that area. And certainly the administration's uh, release uh, of the new uh, memo, uh, we've all been developing that uh, over time and providing input. So it's exciting to have it out. And, and as, a, as a component of DHS and FEMA, we're, we're all implementing uh, prototypes and looking at you know, ways in which we can leverage AI. Thank you, Ross. 2024 is shaping up to be a really instrumental year in the development of federal cybersecurity. Last year really seemed like it was setting the foundations. And this year is when we get to see all of these federal agencies and CISOs and CIOs working to implement all of these goals. And frankly, it's really exciting. I mean, I know we said that it's one year down four years ago with a lot of these plans, but I think we are on the precipice of some real meaningful change, and I'm looking forward to seeing how things develop over the next year. Well, Ross, Nikki, Jordan, thank you so much for joining me for the first Cybercast of 2024. Listeners can tune in in two weeks for a brand new episode of Cybercast. But until then, if you like what you heard, make sure that you're subscribed and you leave a five-star rating and a review on the podcast platform of your choice. And hey, make it a New Year's resolution to tell a friend about the show. We always appreciate growing our audience. I'm Alexander Bolova. I'm Ross John Fortuna. I'm Nikki Henderson. And I'm Jordan McDonald. Thank you for listening. Cybercast, along with GovCast and HealthCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform, 
And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com.